The views and ideas expressed in this program are views expressly of the people sharing them and not of the anchor or that of this broadcaster. All persons, juristic or natural, are to be held responsible for their own representations offered on this program by their agents and not this corporation. Any and all consumption of our conversational substance is entirely at your own discretion. Please be advised that this program airs subject matter that has the potential to destabilize and challenge your intellectual equilibrium. If you are excitable, profound caution when consuming our subject matter is advised. Participation in this program is a voluntary enterprise and as such is expected to be considered and deliberated on. Kindly note that, just as the anchor is, all participants, guests and callers are encouraged to engage in this freedom of expression and any of our civil liberties responsibly. Let me introduce you to our guests in no particular order. We do have... Uh, Ronald Dalton Jr., filmmaker, author of The Hebrews, Two Negroes, Wake Up Black America, movies and books, all that. He joins us on the line to answer our question, is the Bible a Western document? Ronald Dalton Jr., good evening to you, welcome and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Thank you for having me, I'm, I'm excited. Trust me, the excitement is all mine. Every time I'm about to learn, I get ecstatic. Let's jump right in, Ronald. Is the Bible a Western document? The Bible is uh, a collection of books um, that were translated and authorized by Europeans, Greeks, Romans, um, people from you know that area of the north, and what they did was, in history, you have a people that once lived in Egypt. They stayed in Egypt for uh, a couple hundred years, and then they left Egypt. Uh, and we're talking about the the children of Israel, uh, Moses, and the Bible states that the children of Israel, when Joseph was already in Egypt. His 11 other brothers came from the land of Canaan and they went into Egypt and stayed with Joseph. They multiply. Um, the, you got to understand that Jacob only had one daughter. Jacob had one daughter. So when the men of Israel, the sons of Jacob, went into Egypt, they had to populate uh, and multiply in that land without any other Israelite women to bear children with. So naturally, they started to intermix with the Egyptian women on the and the Cushitic women of the land until they left with Moses as a mixed multitude of Israelites that had married um, Egyptian women, Cushitic women, Canaanite women, and vice versa. You might have Egyptian men that married Israelite women, uh, or, or in my case, I would say Bantu women, and Cushitic men that married Israelite Bantu women, and they left as a mixed multitude. Now, according to the Bible, we are led to believe in, in the Roman Catholic Christian Church that the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and then eventually got to the land of Canaan. But when you look at the oral history and stories of many of the Bantu tribes in Central Africa, East Africa, South Africa, even those that bear the, bear the same DNA as the Bantu people, but they don't really use the word Bantu in West Africa, their, their oral history states that they were in Egypt and they left with a leader. They were oppressed in Egypt. They left with a leader and the leader um, helped them cross over a, a body of water. Um, and it wasn't the Red Sea. It was it was the Nile River. And they wandered in the interiors of Africa until they got to a central location in Central Africa. And from there they eventually migrated to the areas that they are today, Nigeria, Cameroon, Ghana, uh, Togo, Ivory Coast, South Africa, Zimbabwe, um, Kenya, Zambia. And so when you look at the, the oral stories of the Bantu people, many, many tribes of sub-Saharan Africa, without them having the Bible, meaning before the, the white man came to Africa with the Catholic Bible or the Old Testament or the New Testament written in English or Latin or Greek, they already had the knowledge of these these biblical stories in their 
their in their in their oral history passed down from the elders, passed down from the people that were the storytellers. And when the Europeans investigated and spent time with these tribes in Central Africa, the Kingdom of the Congo, uh, down in South Africa, in East Africa, West Africa, they noticed that all of the traditions and customs that they were doing were exactly what was in the first five books of the Bible, in the Torah, in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Genesis. They said, this, you guys are doing exactly the same thing. Uh, circumcision and and cleanliness uh, laws. When, when somebody dies in the family, in the family that everybody in the house is considered unclean they had to go through a cleansing ceremony they supposed to you know uh, uh cleanse with water some people might shave their head uh this these things are all in the bible and so what happened is over the years the greeks according to what we read on google the greeks supposedly got six scholars six jewish or hebrew scholars each from the 12 tribes of Israel, and they brought them into Egypt in a little island, and they had them all separated. And they told them to, to try, well, I don't know how they did this, but they said that they, each one of them had to, had to write down all the biblical stories, the history from Genesis all the way to the end of the Old Testament, and they, and they had to separate them. And when they were separated and they did what they, they did what they had to do, they 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 wrote down the whole Bible, the Old Testament from Genesis to the to the to the last the book of the Old Testament. They the the king of of the Greeks, uh, Philadelphia's Ptolemy, the second, and the Greek people that were there to translate the Hebrew to Greek, they said, "Oh, all seventy-two Jewish scholars all wrote the same thing. It's exactly the same word for word." So this must be from God. And this is how they came up with the Greek Septuagint. So the Greeks translated this uh, language um, back in the 3rd century B.C., 3rd, 4th century B.C., into the Greek language. They authorized it, and they gave it the name the Greek Coin Septuagint. This is where we get our first Old Testament Bible. And then, of course, we have the New Testament um, Bible, which... Original was written in Hebrew, Aramaic. Later, it was translated to Greek, and then uh, from Hebrew into Latin by by Jerome, uh, by the author Jerome, and that's where we get the Latin Vulgate, and then eventually Old English and English. But even in the canon canonization of the Bible in the Old Testament, New Testament, there's always some stories that we don't hear about, such as the one of the oldest manuscripts of the new testament written in aramaic that was found in kerala india and the different catholic missionaries like the, the franciscan um, monks and friars uh, people in that area of, of europe spain and portugal they sent their missionaries and delegates to kerala india and they had a meeting the meeting was called the synod of diamper d-i-a-m-p-e-r and they met with a lot of the religious leaders in Kerala, India, which is which is in the southwest part of India. And they said, hey, you guys got this these ancient manuscripts of the New Testament written in Aramaic. It's the oldest form of Hebrew that would that would have been what people used during that time to construct the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Revelations, different things of that nature. And they told these people in India how many of these manuscripts do you guys have? And they said, well, we have, you know, X number of manuscripts and we have some that are in the mountains. Um, we have uh, churches in the mountains that we had these ancient manuscripts that go back to the first century AD. And so the Roman Catholic church told them that it's not safe in, in your country. You have to allow us to take the manuscripts and bring it back to England for safekeeping. And then we can translate it uh, into another language. Let's say we'll we'll translate it into your local language, which is Malayalam, and Malayalam is is a language that has a lot of Aramaic roots in it. It's embedded. It's almost like Aramaic, but it's not. It's called Malayalam. And they took all of these manuscripts back to the Cambridge University Library in England, and they called this Bible that they translated it from the original Aramaic manuscript in India because the people in India said that St. Thomas 
was the one that evangelized to them and gave them these manuscripts of which they used to start a church because they're Christians in Kerala, India. And so what the Catholics did was they took all these manuscripts from India and they translated it into the Malayalam Bible and they called it the Bukan the Bukanan Bible. The Bukanan Bible. And it's one of the oldest living manuscripts written in Aramaic slash Hebrew, which is the language that the twelve disciples and Jesus would have spoken in that time. But they realized that they didn't get all the manuscripts. They had found out later that there were one or two still surviving manuscripts of the New Testament written in Aramaic in the mountains in India, and they didn't know where to get it from because they wouldn't tell them. Uh, so, Ronald, I, yes. I need us to get to the point where you get to answer the question. I okay. do understand this history, but now we need to get to your answer. Is okay, so, the Bible as we have it today a Western document? The Bible is, is, a, is, a, is a mixture of the history of the Bantu people who are the Israelites and what the, what the Greeks and the Romans had doctored and manipulated so that today when we read the Bible, black people, we don't see ourselves in the Bible. When we look at Israel, when we look at um, the Jews, when we look at the, all the Bible people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, you know, uh, all these different people, we don't see this as being anywhere connected to Africa. The reason why they did this Hold on, because, hold, on, hold on, Ronald. I mean, I, so what is your answer? Yes, it is a Western document. No, it's not a it's, Western document. What is your answer? Well, the the Western people, when I say, when you say Western, we think of the West like America, but the Greeks and the Romans, the Greeks and the Romans, they authorized what we have today and they translated it. In, in doing so, they could insert, delete, they could change the translation or transliteration because when you understand when you research transliteration and translation, you understand how easily words can get misconstrued and changed so that the meaning is a little bit different. And so, therefore, it is it is a, it is a document based off of real history. It's just that the the Europeans have manipulated it; they've doctored it, so that today we have to really peruse the Bible and use the Spirit of God to give us understanding to the truth that's hidden inside the Bible because yeah. there is a lot of truth in the Bible. I hear that and I hear and, and, and I believe there's, there's truth to what you're saying but I just need you to commit to an answer. For us to be able to engage I need to know exactly what you are saying. Are you saying it is therefore because it is doctored as you use the word doctored uh, it is therefore no not uh, 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 or therefore, it is a Western document. What exactly is your answer? So it's a it's a it's a book that was compiled, authorized, translated, and canon by the Greeks and the Romans. If if that's if if you want to say that's a that's, these are Western people, then yes. But it's based off of real history that happened by the Bantu people. Let me give you an example, um, uh, mm -hmm. and then perhaps you might take some cues from my example i'm a journalist right i go and and and, and i'm of african descent i am a Kosa speaking Shubi, right i travel to india for example and i witness things in india and i cover the story of whatever i am witnessing there and i write that down and i publish that which i have observed in my language, I don't speak Gujarat. I don't speak any language from in India. I only speak Isikosa. I speak Isizulu a bit, Isintebele a bit, Isiswati a bit, uh, and, and English a little bit, very little of Afrikaans. So I write this in my language, not in Gujarat. And the people whom I'm writing about or who I'm writing about speak Gujarat. I'm giving an example. What then is that document? Is that document a Kosa document because it was written by a person who's a Kosa speaker, first language speaker, or is it an Indian document? What do you make of that document? Oh, okay, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, so then, so then, yes, the Bible that we have today, the Greek Septuagint, and many of the the, the English Bibles that are our translation of the Masoretic text, are a Western document. Well, a Western document 
about the Bantu Israelite people. They're, they're okay. oral history going back thousands of years. Okay. So because it was um, translated by other people and transliterated by other people, therefore it ceases to be a document about those people. No, it still is a document about the Bantu people's right. oral history. It's just, it's just that it was translated and transliterated and put into a book and compiled today to what we call the Bible yeah. by the West, the Westerners, by the Greeks and the Romans. Right, but right. It's still a book. It's still a book about the history of the Bantu people, not the history of the Indian people, the history of the Chinese people, the history of, of Europeans. Uh, yeah. It's the history. Of, of our people. Let's get into the parts that you want us to talk about, the doctoring. What exactly about, and by the way, the, the copy of the text that we are using right now is a bit uh, different from the actual Septuagint. It, for example, it doesn't have the book of Tobit. It has only 66 as opposed to the over 70 texts that are in the Septuagint. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm interested in the 66 books that we have right now. Which parts are doctored well if they authorize then then all of the books of the bible are subject to you have to understand you have to look away where is this is how do i know what's doctored and what's not doctored and 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 an easy way to to come up to that conclusion to say that we can then look at every every chapter every book of the bible as there could be things in there that they changed if you look at the greeks of Turgeon, the word Rhinoceros is in there, but in the Latin Vulgate and the English Bible we read today, so it's the word unicorn. In the Greek Septuagint, in the Book of Proverbs, there is no mention of the word bear, but then you'll see verses in in, in the Book of Proverbs in the Latin Vulgate in the English Bible that does say the word bear. Mm. If you if you look at the Greek Septuagint, you'll see where it says the Red Sea. But then if you go look at a Hebrew translation, it'll say uh, uh, Yam Suf. And Yam Suf simply means a large body of water, like a, a large lake, a large river right, that right. has reeds, papyrus reeds. And papyrus reeds do not grow along the Red Sea banks. Papyrus reeds grows along the Nile River, the Zambezi River. When you look at the word uh, today, we read our Bible, it says wild ass. Right. Well, Wild ass is a zebra. Uh, ass is a donkey. When you look at the word wild bull, you'll see the word bull, bullock, and wild bull. What's right, the difference between right. a bullock, a bull, and a wild bull? Mm. A wild bull is an African buffalo. It's a, it's a, it's like a, it's like a uh, it's, it's not the what we think today. A wild bull. What is a wild bull? I mean, a wild bull is a wild bull. It's like right. a, a wild lion or wild animal. When you look at Many of these 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 things, like like in the in the old Greeks of Torgium, it says ibis, like an African ibis right. um, bird, like like Thoth, Egyptian god Thoth is the ibis. So we see the word ibis, we see the word heron or crane, but in the English Bible you see the word owl. Owl. There's a lot of things that uh, when you look at the Greeks of Torgium, for the outer layer of the tabernacle. Where, which housed the tent of meeting where you had the Ark of the Covenant and the table for showbread and the altar. Mm. The outer layer of the tabernacle was the, was the layer that, that withstanded all the elements of rain, sand, whatever that hit the outer layer was supposed to be a protective layer. Mm. In the Greek Septuagint, it lists the word sea cow or manatee. Okay. Okay. Sea cow and the manatee does not live in the Mediterranean Sea or live in the Red Sea. Okay, it lives hold, hold it right there. I want to invite calls for you because I don't want us to, to, to go on together, just the two of us. I want to invite anyone who would like to ask any questions from our guest tonight, Ronald Dalton Jr., to talk to us. Call in. Send your voice notes. Send your text messages. would like to hear from you. The number is to dial if you want to call in. 086-000-2032. Again, 86 if you prefer to send a text message or a voice note via WhatsApp, you can do that. Our number, if you'd prefer to do that, is 0614-104-107. Again, uh, 0614-104-107. I'd love to hear from you. In your understanding, is the text that we have a Western document and therefore... 
should we even reject it? If you listen to our guest, um, because of uh, the hands that touched it, it is therefore somewhat tainted and therefore needs some supernatural powers in order for us to be able to see where the fingerprints of the tainters are in order to dust them off and get the actual essence of it. Our guest for tonight is Ronald Dalton Jr. He has given us some perspective on the question we're asking is the Bible a Western document? All right, let, let's get into this. Um, do you want me to take Colin now there? Okay. Okay. Uh, Colin, I can see you. I'm going to take your call just now. So, Ronald, help me understand. When you see all these mistranslations, and, well, your assumption is, therefore, it is doctored because of the difference in the various words used, how, how do you arrive at malice? Surely in literature studies, we are given to understand that the first option for anyone who's doing any form of, of hermeneutics is to assume the integrity of the author. And then if you have any evidence to doubt the integrity of the author, then perhaps based on that evidence, you can challenge what has been authored now, you're saying because of the variance in the various words and names, therefore, the integrity of the translators should be called to question why? Well, the thing is, why would they, if they're supposed to be writing a book about the Jews or the Israelites, why would they change things so that we're, we're thinking about the Israelites crossing the Red Sea? Right. Why would they change the word from rhinoceros to unicorn? There's no such thing as a unicorn. Right. In, right. The, in the Greek, the word monokaros means a horn nose, mm. horn nose. So rhino means nose, like a rhinoplasty. A plastic surgeon does a rhinoplasty. And kuros in the Greek means nose. We know that a rhinoceros has a horn on his nose. A unicorn has a horn on his forehead, right. on his head. So when we look at the, a lot of these things they 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 doctored in the Bible, it takes us away from understanding that it's, that it's a book about African people. Yeah, you let's, know, let's you, let's but, talk about that example. And by the way, my name is 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 just about just that uh, the the small horn of the rhinoceros. My surname is Lupondwan. Not the longer horn, not the one it uses for it defense and, and all of those things, but the smaller one. A total different history altogether. So I find that rather interesting that you use the example of a rhino. But we all know there has never been any evidence of a unicorn. What then would be the reason for introducing a, a mythic or mythological species that has never been evidenced by any archaeological finds. What reason would they have to use the word unicorn as opposed to a rhino, for example? They don't want you to they don't want you to connect the land of Canaan or the land of Israel to sub Saharan Africa. There's no rhinos in Israel. When Samson went to Timnah, he killed a lion with his bare hands. Mm. There's no lions in Israel. Right. The the animals that lions eat, like the wildebeest, the African buffalo, the zebra, the giraffe, the hippopotamus, small elephants, none of these animals exist for even lions to even prey on in Israel. So when we read Daniel and the lions, then King David killed a lion and a, a so-called bear from getting a sheep or one of one of his flock. We got to ask ourselves, okay, well, are there lions in Israel? Of course not. We look at the Bible and it says. Uh, king Ahab, the seventh king of Israel, built his house made out of ivory. He built a whole house made out of ivory. Nowhere in the Bible does it say the word elephant. And there's no Hebrew word for, for the animal called elephant. But they will have the tooth of a so-called elephant. Or ivory is considered the tooth of, we know, an elephant. So okay. ivory comes from the, the I'm, elephant I'm, tooth. I'm a, but I'm elephants a, are not in Israel. I'm, I'm a bit worried now um, there, uh, uh, Ronald. Um, I was walking with you. I was win with you up until you, you said what you just said right now, which I need you to clarify. I'm sure you will be okay. able to. Um, you were talking about um, uh, uh, Timna. Timna is not in Israel. It's in Palestine. And that is... No. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that. When you, yeah. when you, look, at the, when you look at Timna and you look at the, the territory of Gad, uh, Samson 
Samson, no, Dan. Samson was from the tribe of Dan. Dan was north of Timnah. So when Samson left his territory, which was the tribe of Dan, and he traveled down south to Timnah, which is which is basically in Palestine. We have, and we have to understand that Palestinians um, will say that they're descendants of the, of the Philistines. Well, the Philistines are related to the ancient Egyptians, if you look at Genesis chapter 10. And nowhere can we see that the Palestinians today resemble the black Egyptian pharaohs. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not, I'm not disputing that part. I'm just okay. getting you to clarify. It was an error to say um, um, Timna is in Israel, and all the statement that you built on that therefore falls apart. You gave an example also of Daniel and the lion in the lion's den. That was not in Israel. That was in Babylon, isn't it? Daniel was an Israelite, and he was captured in Babylon. Yeah. Yes. So but when you, the lion's but den here, was not in Israel. But I understand. It was in but here's the thing. And in Babylon, they do have lions. But here's the thing. Where in Iraq do you see lions? Where? Again, I want to remind you that when we speak of Babylon, we're not really talking about just Iraq, the small, small territory. This was an entire empire. And again, where I was, do... Okay, where was Babel? Where was the city Babel? Hold on, hold on. Today? Hold on. I do want us to be clarified about this. So when you say it was in Israel, that is not true. Correct? Okay. Okay, so, so, so let's get technical. When we look at when we look at the term the line of Judah, if the Israelites didn't live in an area where there was any lions, how would they even know what a lion? How would they even present this totem for Judah is a lion? Imagine if the Israelites lived in America and they said the the, the polar the bear. Theory, I'm of not Judah. disputing the theory right now. I'm just asking you to just clarify the very facts that are not accurate. That's what I'm asking you okay, now but, but, to say when you're saying. Uh, as far as Daniel and the lion's den, in the lion's den, where you say Samson and the lion on the way to Timnah, and then you say in Israel, that is an error, correct? Correct. Okay, so you're making correct. a very valid point. I want us to just go back to the point now, the point you're making that the lion of the tribe of Judah would then need to be explained. You're making a point about that. Go ahead. Right, so when the Israelites had their own tribes today we will call this like totems a totem okay so in the baganda people in uganda they have different tribes or sub tribes and one of the largest sub tribes in the baganda people in uganda their totem is the lion if you talk to the limba the limbo jews when you say what is your totem they'll say the elephant okay we know there's no elephants in israel so where did you get the elephant what is the what how did you get to believe that you are the Jews, the Limbas. Well, there's two sides to the story. The, the side of the story we hear today is that the Limbas left Israel. They landed in somehow Yemen in a, in a city called Sinai. They crossed over to the Horn of Africa into Africa. Okay. That's how Ronald, Africa. forgive me. I, I need to take a break just now. I'll give you a chance to come in and finish your point after the break. All right. Stand by. Lupolwana on SAFM. 18 minutes before 8, you're listening to the first of two hours of uh, Facts of Faith with me, Nayelu Pondwana, here on SFM, leading the conversation. We're in conversation with Ronald Dalton Jr., our guest for tonight, trying to give us some perspective, some insight, uh, trying to answer the question, is the Bible a Western document? He's taking nice and slow, and I'm hoping you're taking it in. If you have any questions, I can see your voice. So, Gerald, Colin, I can see you. Not to worry. I'll give you a chance to jump in as soon as he's finished making his point. Ronald, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Yeah, so the number Jews had the totem of the elephant. They say they left Israel, went to Sinai, Yemen, and then crossed over the Horn of Africa to Africa. This is what we are told in mainstream media news by the Jews. But if you talk to some of the Lemba elders, people that that know other history. There's another history that the Lemba Jews that they went south, that they they never went into Israel. That when the Exodus happened, they left with Moses and went south into what today we will call Central Africa or the former Kingdom of the Congo. That would make sense because in Central Africa you have the forest elephant and the savanna elephant. Now it's not like the Lemba Jews formed this totem in the last 100 to 500 years, like like they, they just all of a sudden came to Africa and said, oh, we're, the, totem, our, the totem of the Lemba people is going to be the elephant. No, they've had this for thousands of years going back to the ages of the Bible. So if their totem was the elephant and the Lemba people within their, their clan, they have priests, 
the Buba clan. The Buba clan is, are the priestly people of the Lemba people. If they say they are Jews and their totem is the elephant, where do we see elephants in Israel? The majority of elephants today are in sub-Saharan Africa. And the only place you can find the savannah elephant and the forest elephant, elephant is in Central Africa in the region of the Congo, the RC, the DRC, Zambia, Angola, these places like this. When we look at these things and we say to ourselves, well, the Ark of the Covenant was overlaid with gold. We look at the types of materials that were used for the throne, for the Ark of the Covenant, shittim wood or acacia wood, ivory. Where do we find shittim wood, acacia wood? You find it all in Africa. Where do you find ivory at? All in Africa. Where do you find all the stones that are needed for the 12 stones on the ephod breastplate for the high priest, the Aaronites? You find all these stones, all 12, in Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, not in the Sinai Peninsula, not in Saudi Arabia. So where were the Israelites wandering around when God told them these are the materials you need to build the Ark of the Covenant, the materials you need to build this, the materials you need to build that for the ephod, all these things, even the, even the tabernacle tent, the four layers, even when they broke down the tent and they had to, they had to cover up the Ark of the Covenant, cover up the altar, cover up the table for showbread, what what layer did they have to put to cover these things when they move from one place to the other? They used the skins of a sea cow or a manatee or a dugong. Manatees don't live in the Red Sea. Manatees don't live in the Mediterranean Sea. Manatees lives in the mangroves and the rivers of West Africa and Central Africa. Okay. All right. Hold up. Hold up. I, 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 I want to bring in some callers because um, uh, I, I invited them to join in the conversation. So please take some questions from, from them. Let's go to Cape Town first. Colin's there. Good evening, Colin. Oh, good evening. The more I listen to your programs, the more confused I get. <laughs> Sorry, Colin. No, <laughs> um, mm. there were 12 tribes. Right. As far as I know. Right. Now, tell me something. Nowhere in the Bible says what type they were. Black, green, yellow, brown. They all went different ways, didn't they? Or did all 12 tribes stay with each other? For how for how long? What how what what time are we talking about? That is about? what I'm trying. That is what I'm trying to figure out now. Didn't tribes move to different parts of the world, even into Africa, and so and so? They could have landed up in Africa, and those docu documentaries that those uh, that tribe had, had had landed up in Ethiopia and Africa and West Africa, they documented what they saw. So, I'm just thinking now. Now, if I saw, if I spoke about elephants, who documented that? Okay. Was it? It was definitely not Moses. You know what I mean? So it must have been from the tribes. And they, So they, which documents are you referring directions. to? Because the different texts in the Bible are written by different authors. Which documents are you referring to there, Colin? Um, the document I'm referring to is um, your guest talking about there was no gold, there was no lions and this and that in, in, in Israel. As you, as you said, it was Babylon. Much of, much of that is, is documented in the book of Exodus. Are you referring to the book of Exodus? No, not really. I haven't uh, checked on it. I'm just yeah, I'm, what, you are, what, what you're referencing right now is contained in the book of Exodus. And I'm asking, when you're saying uh, you're referring to those things, those things happened in the book of Exodus, the construction yeah. of the various particles and the part, well events and the various uh, furniture and all of these things that he's referring to that that were contained in the sanctuary that happened in the book of Exodus. Again, I ask, is that what you're referring to, that document you're referring to? Yes, well, uh, well, I read about that when I was still uh, at uh, school, you know what I mean? Okay, all right. But uh, the fact remains, is, the fact remains, is, um, they, they moved all over the show. All, the, at the time, the at the time of writing of the book of Exodus and the book of Leviticus, um, we, we, they, they were still united. They were still yeah, moving but, together as one people. Yeah, but uh, some some way they had to move away from each other. The only each move one, each tribe the, each tribe had a leader. The only move is when they were separated into two kingdoms: the northern kingdom, and the southern kingdom. That's way down the long line, long and, after and, it had already been okay. documented. And please, uh, the last thing is, please, yes or no, is it a Western uh, document, uh, the Bible? He hasn't answered. He's always talking about Roman Greek. Just yes or no. 
You can never get a straight answer of some people. Yes, okay. Bye. Thank you very Bye. much, Colin. Thank you very much, Ronald. I need you to write that down, that question down, yes or no, and then you can answer his other questions. Let's okay. go to Vuiswa in Park Town North. Vuiswa, good evening. Good evening, Naye, and to hi. Brother Ronald Day. Thanks mm. for taking my call. Mm, thanks for calling. Yes, you know, I'll start off with the words of Brother Mtaparuka. When he says, if you still believe that as a snake talk, talk. Yeah, I, I missed that. Say that again, boys. Say, Utu, Utu, He says, if you still, my sister, if you still believe that a snake talk, you know, you must be crazy. Uh, in, in, the, in, Eden, in the Garden of Eden, uh, the snake spoke, you know. Okay. So he says you must be crazy. All what I'm trying to say, the metaphorable, Afri- I think, uh, African metaphors. All right. And it's a stolen concept uh, uh, that was taken to Europe, cut and paste. That's why there's no complete message. The message is not complete. Because it is not their book. It, it, it is what they found in Egypt. They went right. and translated and they lost, a lot of things got lost okay. in translation. Okay. I will end up with the Genesis 49 when they say um, Jacob, before he, 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 he was gathered to his ancestors, he called his sons and he had all these portions or whatever you call it, or the Ngamasa and don't don't but right, right, bless, right. blessings or blessings or curses, I call it. Okay. Yes. And those those were totems. Okay. You learned on Nanjing Masha yeah. 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 Gerald in Madeline is moving on to Umtata. This is my birth town before. Maduna, good evening. Uh, good evening, Kader. Uh, maybe let me also uh, reveal your claim. Ah, because you have no idea. No, Maduna. Thank you very much, sir. Go ahead. Naya, uh, mm. with a few minutes you've got left of this first hour, I don't think uh, uh, the, it will do justice to your topic. However, if we were to follow the fact that uh, the Bible is a literal translation of what was happening during biblical times, right. 
we would say it is neither Western, Eastern, nor African, whatever you may call it. But I just want to juxtapose what I'm saying here and here with what is being said by uh, Dr. Mazulitabo of the Kemet Institute, that Africans, we all know, they are the originators of civilization. And therefore, when we talk hieroglyphics, it emanates from us that whatever written text that there is and there was to be, it emanated from Africa. Number two... Hi, 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 Matuna. Ma- Man- all, all, all the literal literary works are African. <laughs> all! Hi, Gosia. Hi, Go ahead, Let go me ahead. exhaust this one, Naya. Yeah. Number two, mm. I believe here yeah, that... Uh, it will be difficult to answer that question in a ballot form to say, is it a Western judgment or not, without answering the question as to whether Christianity is African or is Western-oriented. And I'm indebted in this regard to the late Sobukwe, who, when asked about communism, he also mentioned the issue of Christianity, quote-unquote, to said, communism, just like Christianity, has been unfortunate in its choice of representatives, which to me, Ushad questioned not the Bible, but the people whom in this context you would call the missionaries. But what I would say now is that talk to your producer and give us at least uh, even the second hour to to exhaust this topic. Thank you. <laughs> she, she's shaking her head. <laughs> Go back to the producer and, and convince her she is shaking her head. <laughs> Thank you very much, Madhu. Let's go to Chaga from Bloomberg. Good evening, Chaga. Uh, good evening. Mm. Uh, now, I, I just want to say, say straight that uh, you know the, your visitor says the Bible is tainted. I don't think. Let's let's be straightforward and, uh, and even uh, say not uh, talk about tainted. The, the whole thing, the, the Bible is a textbook. It's written by men, and uh, it's not a word of God. I mean. Uh, there, has, there has been so many versions of the Bible. Uh, for instance, uh, that, don't go, don't go there, Chaka. Let's stick to our conversation for today. We're not talking about whether it's a word of God. We're asking whether it is a Western oh, okay, no, fine, document fine, or not. Fine, yes, uh, go ahead. Uh, uh, what I, uh, it, uh, I just want to go straight for you know straight to the point uh, because if I regard the Bible as a, as a textbook, obviously it's something that can be critiqued because it's written within, within certain context and so on. It's definitely a Western document. Because if you look, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 take for instance in the in the 1611 uh, King James King James version of the Bible, which was a, a whole totally uh, new translation of, of the Bible, and and, and uh, uh, written for 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 the Western society and so on, and and, and you take the things like. The unicorn, something that he mentioned. The unicorn is an imaginary uh, animal; doesn't exist anywhere. And for the fact that the Bible talk about the unicorn, something that doesn't exist, that something that never existed. And uh, uh, so, your point is, is make your point there, Chago. Your point is, yeah. My my, my point is, uh, the, the the Bible is, is, is to a large extent, is, it hasn't copied, like for instance, from the law of Kemet and so on. And obviously, uh, twisted and changed to, to therefore, suit the Western society. Therefore, it is it is a and, Western and document. It has also the elements of the elements. Uh, I need you to make uh, your point. I'm gonna move on, Chaga. I'm gonna move on. I need you to make your point. So, therefore, it is not a Western document, or it is a Western document. What's your point? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is a Western document. Okay. Designed for for Western ends. Okay. All right. Thank I'll you. Say designed for imperialism. Uh, okay. Okay, thank you very much, Chaga. Appreciate your call, Chaga Mbumfontein. All right, uh, Ronald, you're listening to the calls. i got to move on uh, to you now. Um, what do you make of the comments? And please respond to the questions first. Well, they, we have to... People can call it a Western book. I mean, they, I mean, they could call it a Greek book, a, a Roman book, a European book, instead of the word Western, because when I think of the West, I think of America. Um, but we do know that they translated, authorized, and canonized um, the Bible that we have today based on the history of black people. You know, we know that the Kushites are black. This can be proven by looking at the ancient Kush Empire, the ancient uh, Kadruka, and different 
Cushitic civilizations that existed and you go to Sudan and you dig up these ancient skeletons from 2000 BC and they say that these skeletons have the same DNA as the Nilots in South Sudan, like the Dinka, the Nuer, the Anuak, the Shilik. They can do the same thing with the ancient Egyptians. They can look at the mummies in the ancient Egypt in the, in the museums of Cairo and they can see them laying in the, in the tomb, in the sarcophagus, and they're black. They got black skin, black feet, black fingernails. They got woolly hair. I mean, this. I mean, these are the things that people understand, and we have to look at the fact that the Israelites mixed with these daughters of Ham, and the land of Ham is in Africa. So we should see, therefore, in the Israelites today, the DNA, the maternal DNA of the daughters of Ham, the daughters of Canaan, the daughters of Egypt, of Mitzrayim, the daughters of Cush, the DNA of these mothers that birthed the sons and daughters of Israel should be in the in the in the descendants of people today call themselves the israelites and when we see the bantu people we see that all day long but when we see other groups of people we don't see that so when we look at the bible we it's a, it's a reason why they have changed uh, rhinoceros to unicorn it's a reason why they want to say oh the lions extinct oh the zebras extinct oh the ostrich is extinct in the bible it says hyena jackal ostrich these animals are not in israel so what happened to them Okay. So there's a lot of things that we have to we have to take into consideration in reality. Okay. Um, hold the thought. Hold the thought. I want to have to go to the news. When we come back, perhaps I'll, I'll, I'll press you a bit to answer some of the questions that were direct. And I need you to give us a direct answer. But that happens after the news. It's 8 o'clock. It's time for us now to go to the news once again with Ava Chippa. Facts of Faith on SAFM. Welcome back and thank you very much for sticking around. You're still listening to Facts of Faith. It's the second of the two hours we have together. Of Facts of Faith with me, Nayelo Pondwana, with you until 9 o'clock at 6, but it's now after 8. Thank you very much to Eva Chippa for the news, and now she updates the news and that with a final bulletin at 9 o'clock here on SFM, leading the conversation. Back to our conversation about the question, is the Bible a Western document? Joining us on the line is our guest for tonight. Ronald Dalton Jr. talking to us about just that. Ronald, welcome back and thank you very much for sticking around. Uh, you've been criticized for not giving a direct answer. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to give us a direct answer. <laughs> Is the Bible an African or a Western document? Yes or no? If, if that means that the person that authored the Bible is a Westerner, then the answer is yes. Is the person who authored the Bible a Westerner? Who, if, if the person that authored the Bible and translated the Bible is a Westerner... Those are different people use... there, Arnold. You know that. If we're talking about yeah, the so Torah, the... for example, it was not written yeah, by yeah. a Westerner. It was written yeah. by Moshe, Moshe right. and he's not a Westerner. Yeah, so we wanna, if we want to attribute the Bible to being authorized and translated and written No, not by... the authorization, the authorship. The person who wrote the Torah, the, po the people who wrote the various uh, prophetic texts... And now we're talking about the Christians, those who were writing the uh, synoptic gospels and all the other epistles, all of those people, are they Westerners? Well, this is the, the, I'm going to give you an answer because Moses did write down the law. He, the stuff that we see in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, he, in the Bible it says that he wrote down the law and gave it to the elders and to the priests, and they had to recite it every year to the people of Israel. Now, what we have today is... Greeks and Romans and Europeans that authorized, translated, and put We're these We're not things talking in about the translation now, Ronald. We're talking about the authorship, the original text, even if it may have been doctored and tainted and all of that, but the original text that constitutes what we now have is the original text based on the original authors. Were they, they, oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, were they the, uh, Westerners? The original, the original authors of the Bible were not Westerners; they were Israelites. Okay. We don't have the we don't have the originals. The people that gave us what we have today, the Masoretic text, the Latin Vulgate, the Greek Septuagint, the English Bible, these are Westerners, yes. But the original text that was once oral history written down by the Israelites, we don't have that. Okay. So we know this has been translated many times before. 
we had the Romans and all the other communities joined in the bandwagon. The first burning of the temple, those scrolls were all destroyed. The second destruction of the temple, any of the copies that may have been rewritten by Ezra and Nehemiah, those two were destroyed. We know, therefore, that any and everything that we may refer to as the scrolls came after the second rebuilding of the temple, isn't it? Correct. So when you look at the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls are written in Hasmonean Greek, learned Hebrew, Herodian, Edomite Hebrew, New Black Aramaic, Babylonian vocalization Hebrew, right. Greek, and Greek. So these are all the types of scripts that the ancient Israelites did not write. Yeah. So how then do we blame the mistranslation on the later translators and not on the original guys who called or recalled their memories regardless of how flawed the memories would have been how do we blame the mistranslation on uh, the westerners and yet those mistranslations may have been from the scribes who were trying to write down what was told to them based on memory again <laughs> well, I mean, we can we can we can point the finger at anybody we want to, but the, but the end of the day, it's but not you're choosing to point it on the Westerners. You're suggesting that it's the Westerners who contaminated the text, and yet we know for a fact when you read the actual scrolls, you see so many notations on the side from the various scribes who corrected the previous scribe. Again, I ask, right. why do you not blame the scribes themselves who were jotting this down? Why do you blame it on the Europeans? Why do you blame it on the translators of the later languages? Because the Latin Vulgate is much later than the Aramaic and the Hebrew and the Greek. We're talking about English, which is much, much later than the Latin Vulgate and so forth. So why blame those who came later in this mess of mistranslation? Why not blame the guys who first put together the papyrus? Well, if we if we blame the original Israelites that that actually lived through these these histories and stories, then we will be we will, we will be wrong in doing that because they actually they're actually the ones that actually can really tell the oral history that can be written down. Then we have a period of time where we see somehow some way Europeans want to get in the mix and they want to pin down or try to try to come up with their version of what they can, what they can believe or recall or right. what someone said or what maybe something they, they saw in some kind of writing that they try to decipher and they corrupted it and put it into what we see today. All right. So we can agree that the original text, though contaminated by now, is not an, a Western document. It is a contaminants or the contamination that is Western, but the original text in whatever form it could be is not European or Western, right? Right. Okay. Let me take one more call because I'm running out of time. My producer is going to give me the evil eye just now. Let's go to Fear Inaheng. Tutu, sir. Good evening. Good evening, sir. Yes, uh, good evening to your guest as well. Tutu, mm. sir, from, from Fear Inaheng. That's yeah. a quick one, Khadib. Mm. The, the way I view, um, first of all, I agree with your guest. Um, the way I view the Bible, you know, I think the Bible has truth in it, but it is not truth in its entirety. But by that, you know, I'm looking at few factors. Factor number one is the era or the time when the Bible was compiled or published. At that time, the Romans were the greatest empire. And nothing good, you know, or great should come from Africa. So anything that seeks, you know, or, or that, you know, resembles greatness, should not come from Africa. So everything was taken away and projected as if, you know, it's not, you know, um, uh, uh, it doesn't originate from Africa. As, as an example, uh, uh, um, you know, the story of Israel, you know, the story of Exodus. For me, these are same people, maybe just different tribes, Egyptians and Israelites, because Israelites prospered in Egypt, just like the Zimbabweans prospering in South Africa. And in 100 years from now, we get a story that South Africans were cruel, they were evil, just by one story that happened in Alex where a Zimbabwean was tossed. And that does not characterize South Africans. So uh, by that, I'm just, you know, drawing parallelism with the Egyptian story to say that Israelites, including Jesus himself, 
you know, while went to Egypt, and and most of them did prosper in Egypt, but the way that Egypt is projected in the Bible is projected as a place of evil, which God is in Africa. Yeah, ho- hold on, you hold know? on, to, to uh, the, yes, the, the the story of of the Egyptians is not projected as a monolith. Different eras are represented differently. Uh, the era of Jacob's son, Joseph, being sold to Egypt and going to prison in Egypt. And the Pharaoh at the time takes him out of prison and makes him second in command. That was a good time because that's a time when Jacob and his children migrated from Israel to Egypt. And that's when they prospered. But a different epoch, a different era where a Pharaoh that did not know Joseph then took over then they were changed from being citizens who owned land to becoming slaves. That was a different epoch. So there is no monolithic story about Egypt to suggest that uh, the Bible projects Africa in one way or Egypt in one way is not entirely accurate now, is it? Agreed, but my point is, you know, that, you know, the way that, you know, the Westerners, you know, seek or use the Bible to project Africa as 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 a, as a, as a, not a minority, but as you know, nothing great should come from this continent. So for me, that's the context in which you know the Bible has been written. So I believe it's an African story, and you know it's about Africans. Even if you follow the writers, for instance, now you know tutor. You know, them Velapiaco. You know, they're not really interested in that. Okay. You know, they only care, you know, about their family and that's it. Okay. Africans that have got that, you know, uh, in in their in their makeup. Let me let me challenge you to do as I let you go to go and read your scriptures again. Find out if indeed Africa is portrayed in negative light. I challenge you, you will not find references to Africa as a poor, evil people. From the Queen of Sheba to the Ethiopians who travel from Ethiopia to Israel to the Egyptian emperors and the empires in the various epochs, including that of Ramesses, there's grandeur and, you know, everything good about Africa. Any other interpretation of the African people does not come from the scriptures. I want to challenge you that when you come back perhaps next week, you can point to me a part where where you believe it's painting Africa in a bad light, all right? It's not portrayed as a, as a, as a great player. All right, thank you very much, sir. Appreciate your call. Appreciate to do so. All right, I'm going to give my guest an opportunity to conclude now. Um, Ronald, you're listening to our, uh, our caller, Duduse. Your, your, your take there. Well, I, well I, yeah, the Egyptian thing, no. I mean, yeah, we know about the, the plagues of, of Egypt, you know, like that that God dealt with the Egyptians and, and, you know, God told the Israelites to not do or continue the ways of the Egyptians when you're leaving out to go to the land of Canaan, you know, stop, you know, just do away with everything you learn in Egypt and follow me. I mean, right. so in that case, maybe Egypt is, is seen as in a negative light. Mm, I mean, but this, this is the, this is the, the vantage point of the God of Israel and the Israelites. So obviously, God wants the Israelites to follow his laws and only worship one God and not all these deities that they were learning in Egypt. So, you know, but 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 at the end of the day, we know that the Israelites and Egyptians, they intermix with each other. And therefore, you know, you could have a household where the kids are speaking Hebrew and right, Egyptian. Right, right, in fact, right. In fact, when you look at the bound two languages, you can find elements of the morphology, syntax and lexicon of ancient Hebrew and Egyptian in the Bantu dialects. Okay. So how could you hold on, hold on, hold on. Just, just, just to temper that with a bit of fact, there is no language called Egyptian. Right, right, true. But but we have Egyptian hieroglyphics, which is a script, and if we speak it, yes. it will be called the language or the language of Mitraim or the language of Egypt. Correct, and that on all, even when you read the Mernapta Stela, it does not speak to an to to Egyptian language. It is a language. One of the languages that is spoken in Egypt, right? So the there yeah, the does nothing exists called Egyptian language. There's no language right. called Egyptian. Right. Just like there's no right. such thing called an American language or South African language. There are many languages right. spoken in Egypt, in South Africa, in the U.S. and so forth, right? Right. Right. All right. All right. So give us your concluding remarks. My time is up. Go ahead. I'm giving you two minutes. Go ahead. Well, what I teach and drive home in my books 
in my movies, Hebrews to Negroes, Wake Up Black America, which I had to I had to shift to h2ntv.com, h the number 2ntv.com, is that the Bantu people's original ancestral history goes back to the ancient Israelites of the Bible, and we can prove this biblically, scientifically, in many different factions of science, genetics, linguistics, anthropology, archaeology, uh, the study of tracheology, the study of dermatology, there's so many ways we can prove this, and I do so on my platform, h2ntv.com, and I challenge any Jewish rabbi, Christian pastor, Muslim imam, anybody to debate on this topic. All right. Look, um, I would love to watch that. Please send my producer a link. I'd like to watch it, and perhaps we could have you again on a different topic. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Ronald Dalton Jr. Very interesting stuff, right? They appreciate you coming through. You talk to us. Ronald Dalton Jr. is a filmmaker and author of The Hebrews to Negroes Wake Up Black America. He's written books and movies. Ronald, thank you. The 